Philip Schreiberg is a London-based whiskey writer, musician, tasting host, drinks competition judge, and author. He's also the co-founder of the Rhythm and Booth Project, uh, a duo fusing live music and whiskey through gigs, tasting events, and multimedia. But he has a new project underway, and uh, he's with us tonight to talk about it. Hello, Philippe, how are you, my friend? Good evening, and uh, good to meet you both. Thank you so much for having me on. You are more than welcome. Now, uh, there's loads I want to talk to you about, um, but the, 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 the sort of the, the sort of prevailing news story is obviously uh, what's happening in, in, in Ukraine. And you and Billy Abbott have got together to have uh, a raise money via via a whiskey tasting. So if you want to tell us all about it, what's, what's happening, what's going on? Yeah, sure. So it just made sense to do something. And so I'm based in Poland, in Gdansk, in the north of the country. And one of the things that's been pretty incredible is seeing how the entire country is mobilized to help the large amount of refugees coming in. At the time uh, that we're recording this now, uh, we're looking at about, I think, closing out one million refugees coming into Poland. And it's gonna, and that number is going to wow. go up. And it's really impressive how the entire country has just come together uh, to just help people to the best of their ability, providing supplies, housing people, transporting them as necessary. So all that is kind of, I got to do something. And well, I drink whiskey. What can I do with these skills uh, to help out? Well, that's what it's about, really. So I've been doing loads of online tastings over the last two years. And it just made sense to try and do something on that in that regard there. Fortunately, Billy was up for coming on board and being a part of this as well. And he is absolutely spectacular. <laughs> and so we're sending out packs of amazing whiskey. Uh, to that and that people can just join in. We'll publish it on Facebook and YouTube and we'll talk whiskey and answer questions and just have a good time and in the process raise money for good cause. So it's an organization called the Polish uh, Humanitarian Action and they are doing a lot of amazing work with refugees uh, yeah. to help them out both at the border and when they enter the country as well. So just seem, it's just a good thing to do. So that's March 28th at 7 p.m. March 28th at 7pm. Now, the format is an online whiskey tasting. People go to designmynight.com. I think it's, it's that's where it's listed. Uh, they yes. can buy... Now, you don't even have to be a whiskey person to participate and contribute money. You, there, there's two options to it. Yes, that's right. So you've got the, the pack with the, the... The ticket with the pack in it, and we send six whiskeys over to you. All of them are excellent. And then also we have like an optional viewing ticket but really it's simply a donation to the organization everybody can watch the stream whether they've paid or not but if people could donate that would be good so we provide an option for that uh, on the ticketing yeah. page now you say you're in Gdansk which is obviously a little bit further away from the border but um, I'm sure probably people have, have maybe started arriving in Gdansk already have they from 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 Ukraine have they yeah, we've got a, a lot of friends and acquaintances who have signed up to house refugees. And we already know people who have taken people in, uh, that have taken yeah. refugees into their homes uh, or wherever they can. A lot yeah. of people also here in Gdansk, you have a lot of families that will have kind of, not quite summer houses, but 
places by the lake in the region of Kashuba, for example, where they might vacation. So they're opening those homes up as well. Yeah. So yes, even out here. Now you're seeing a lot, Gdansk is a little bit farther, so you're not seeing as many people quite yet. Yeah. Uh, yes, already. I mean, it's it's a lot of people coming into this country. Very yeah. So yeah, we're already seeing it here. Yes. Now, when do people have to have the boxes ordered for? Is there a closing date to have them ordered for to 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 make sure that I assume it's international shipping. You're shipping them all over the world, right? Unfortunately, no. It really is tricky to pull something like that off. And unfortunately, we can only just do the UK at the moment. So okay. we obviously anybody around the world can watch. Uh, yeah, to do the to do Brexit makes the EU pretty much impossible. Thanks Brexit, mm -hmm. <laughs> and the US is also a tricky one. And then any other parts of the world, you run into some serious issues there. Okay. Uh, so unfortunately, just the UK. Anybody around the world can watch. And can everybody around the world pay and contribute without yes, investing? Yes, yes. Absolutely, yes. Absolutely, yes. absolutely. Now, what's in the box? Tell people what what. What's in the box? Give them a treat. Of course. So one of the cool ones is we've got the first ever release from the new Glen Turret distillery. I say new. Glen Turret's been around a while. But you know they got, so Glen Turret, up in the Scottish Highlands, they got bought over by the French company Lalique. And Lalique has reimagined Glen Turret, which yeah. used to be one of the main contributors of Famous Grouse, into an upscale single malt. So we have their first 12-year-old release uh, they do a new different 12 year old every year. They've already done 2021. We have the 2021, which is very cool. The, mm -hmm. Sorry, I mentioned 2021, then the 2021, the one from 2020. And so we've got that. That's kind of a nice rich one. We've got a, a compass box, the spice tree. That's just a great all around, slightly syrupy, caramelly, spicy, accessible whiskey. Mm -hmm. We've got stuff from the Lakes Distillery this nice sort of combination of both English. It's a blend of English and Scottish whiskey then matured, finished off in Sherry Oloroso sure. cast. And then uh, the Glen Scotia Victoriana, those who are Lovely. whiskey will know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a fantastic whiskey. A glorious toffee bat to the face. <laughs> and if you survive that toffee bat to the face, there's beautiful things that come through afterwards as well. And then a really cool one as well. We've got, in these packs your five drams and then like a bonus sort of fancy dram and so our fancy dram is the royal bracola 18 year old uh finished in paulo cortalo sherry yeah. and with paulo cortalo sherry originally this was a release that went to taiwan and ended up being really popular and just amazing so bacardi ended up making it available to the to the uk as well so we were able to get a hold of that Lovely. so that well, really lovely, really aromatic, uh, almost like a slight hint of, I'm going to go with a slight hint of sandalwood incense, which may be surprising to feel, but it's, uh, yeah, so just every dram is lovely. Oh, and Jura, we got a Jura in there, the seven wood, and that one also just nice, light smoke, fragrant and citrusy, all of it combining very nicely while still being able to feel the peak saying something. So you're getting, people can get this for £45 and participate in an online tasting and help Chari. Yes. What's not the like? Exactly. That's, uh, <laughs> it's, very it's very commendable that, Philippe. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, they've obviously helped you out with this for, the, for that kind of money for those selection of whiskies. 
Yeah, well, we're lucky in that regard. The other thing as well is I have to give a big shout out to, and you you can see them in the in the picture there, uh, the Dram Team. So the mm -hmm. Dram Team is a whiskey subscription service based out of Bristol. Though uh, they have facilities in Scotland as well, and we couldn't do this without them. Yeah. And specifically, their founder Chris Barrow. That's what makes this possible. Yeah. Uh, and he, they really are the ones that are. I'm just, I'm the guy talking <laughs> a lot of crap uh, <laughs> and drinking. You have a little bit of together. But Chris is really, the Chris and the Dram team are really what are actually allowing this to happen yeah. and allowing us to be able to donate almost all the money to charity as well. Yeah. So excellent yes. stuff. Excellent stuff. Well, I, I I wish you every success with it. Uh, um, well, I'll I'll be buying a pack anyway, and I uh, hope I hope many many other people do. So thank you very much. Uh, now, Philippe, we have to talk about all the other things you do. You you you, you hold tastings. You write about whiskey. You um you are congratulations, Justin. We're we're honoured by the icons of whiskey. 2022 Communicator of the Year. Will, 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 we, will, will we ever make it to that level, no. Marty? No, because you, <laughs> you, you, you talk as if you've got plums in your mouth. Anyway. So, <laughs> so no. Um, Philippe, the other thing you do is you mix whiskey and music all in one. Um, now, you're a two-piece band. You're not a one-man band. But um, what, what's rhythm and booze? What, what's rhythm and booze? Yes. So the best gigs. So one of the best trips I've ever taken in my life was in 2012. Me and I, and I've been playing music for a long time. I was living in Scotland for 10 years, playing music the entire time uh, or almost the entire time with different bands there and still have a band there that I play with a couple bands actually. <laughs> and one of the musicians that I played with is a drummer. We've been playing together now for 10 years across various different projects. And we both loved our whiskey. And in 2012, we had the idea, why don't we go to Isla and do a tour of Isla? We don't want any money. We just want to be paid with food, beds, and whiskey. So that's what we did. So we did that for a week. <laughs> uh, it was amazing, on, as you can imagine, right? Yeah. And we get there, we're essentially just two young idiots that want to drink whiskey and for some reason the elix love that <laughs> and they were very very friendly and patient with us and and so we got into a whole bunch of mischief as a result uh and met a lot of incredible people that are still our friends today mm -hmm. so coming out of that it's like well that was some of the best stuff we ever done in our lives and then years later it was kind of like why and then from that point on We'd gone involved with playing at the Fesh Eel every year, which is Isla's big yeah. whiskey festival, and they do a lot of music. So we were involved with that every year after that trip. Uh, we literally didn't know the Fesh existed until we did that trip, met the then distillery manager of Lagavulin, who essentially was like, you guys should play the Fesh. We're just like, what? Uh, I don't right. know what that is, but no, it's <laughs> only a whiskey festival that goes on for a week. We'll get you guys on for that. So, so we've been doing that every year. And... Then, and those are, again, playing the face, some of the best experiences and gigs of our lives. So then the question was, why don't we do that the rest of the year? So that's what this is. Yeah. And 
the idea is if if the best experience you can have is one that combines music and whiskey together in a way that's interactive and intimate how can it not be great yeah. and so that's what so we do a few different things we put out some videos we do different projects the the pandemic did ruin things a bit for us in terms of the events front but even with the pandemic we did what we believe are the first ever combination gig tastings where we sent packs of whiskey to people uh while we did a gig online live streamed it and people could join in and drink with us and talk with us and we launched a few of our own whiskeys that way we've done some independent bottlings of our own whiskey we just released one actually we just released a 10 year old blair athol matured in a refill sherry butt only 125 bottles of that one and uh, <laughs> So we've uh, so we've gotten we've just been able to do a few things to this and and we just did a tour I couldn't actually I had to cancel my own tour we did a tour launching this new whiskey I unfortunately had to back out on short notice so Paul my business partner slash drummer had to do everything himself and lead the tastings normally it's me being the gobby American but. <laughs> is, is he the guy that made the first drum out of a whiskey barrel is he yes yes <laughs> so, so he um so yeah so he got involved he did it and we brought, brought in a bunch of our musician friends to take my place and promote our whiskey i like the way you said a bunch of other you replaced me i shouldn't even bother to be humble about it like that's what, exactly that's exactly what and the uh but then, yeah, so and that's just some of the stuff that we get up to. And just now we started being able to do live events again. Yeah. Uh, and we'll be at the face again as well, which I am desperate to do. And so, yeah, so with the drum project you mentioned, so what that was, was we had the idea to create, and we did it, the world's first uh, bass drum made out of an entire Scotch whiskey cask. And it was a barrel of Lagavulin. So we went up to Lagavulin, got the cask, built it on Isla. Uh, Paul uh, was doing a lot of it. He was helped by a, a vintage drum specialist called James Yates, who works under the name Magitone. And he was brilliant. He, we couldn't have done it without him as well. Record, and then we recorded the drum ourselves playing a tune using that drum in Lagavulin itself at the distillery in their malt mill facility, which they use for events. And we got all the mics in. We, yeah, our audio engineer went absolutely nuts. He put like four different mics into the thing itself, did a whole bunch of room mics to just make sure we could catch every sound of this drum, which sounded awesome, uh, frankly. It, it certainly looks, it certainly looks impressive, Philippe. I mean, uh, have you any plans to do any other instruments out of uh, sort of, uh, well, what would lend itself to uh, uh, a whiskey barrel? I'm trying to think. Um, there's a, there's a lot of scope. We were we were about to do another drum, not a bass drum, but we were about to do another drum, uh, which I'm hoping we can still get this project off the ground eventually. And we and the pandemic had to cut all that short. But there's a lot of scope for it. If you look at what a guitar is, especially an electric guitar, electric guitar is a plank of wood that you then stick some pickups on and strings and then you just plug it into an amplifier it's just a piece of wood so theoretically you could do all kinds of stuff with oak from casks to create 
various instruments. You could do guitars, variations of guitars. So for example, a guitar actually has to, you know, has a specific shape. But you know, I play lap steel guitar. Lap steels are literally little small rectangular blocks with a pickup and strings that you put on your lap. Be very easy to make one, I think, out of. I've um, seen them. I've, I've, I've seen them. Yeah. Yes, you could make a, a pretty viable instrument from oak, for example. And then also something that I'm still grateful I got is um, there's a rye whiskey distillery out of Vermont called Whistle Pig. And they did a collaboration with a guitar company called Schechter. Normally, Schechter does like heavy metal uh, guitars. But they made special pickups using oak from their casks, from their barrels. And they sent some to me, which is, I'm still blown away that they did that. And yeah, so so there's lots of scope for doing all kinds of cool little things like that, that I would love to be able to do someday. Now, you're a man after my own heart. Uh, you are into cocktails as well. Uh, London Cocktails is uh, your book. Uh, I mean, it's... It's not often people do uh, sort of uh, whiskey purists that do cocktails because uh, pe people people like to say, well, it's just, I'm a single malt man. I only do single malt. Uh, and that is it. Yeah. I mean, I think we're seeing a shift away from that. Definitely so many of the, of the industry people I know are very welcoming about cocktails. And I think the main reason why, and this is what's, making whiskey truly such a great space to be is that we're in the process of democratizing great whiskey. Now you, anybody can buy a bottle of completely tasty whiskey for let's say 20, 25 pounds. You can do it at that price and enjoy it neat, or you can enjoy it in a cocktail or whatever, especially as we know that cocktails can be so good. Sometimes good whiskey, you know, it's worth using for it as well. So there's no reason to be picky about this uh, in a way. And, and it's great to see that the industry embraces that now quite yeah. wholeheartedly. Mark, so, he's, he, li he likes cocktails. He li I know. He likes, I know. I would, I know. See, Justin, Justin's the cocktail guy. I just prefer my whiskey neat. Put a bit of water in it. That's kind of where I'm at. But just, Justin needs the elaborate cocktails. He needs the, you know, the the, the cherries and the, the sparklers and the, all that. That's that's where he's at, you know. <laughs> my hot tip, my hot tip is a, a Lagavulin pina colada is one of the greatest drinks on earth. Replace uh, the rum with Lagavulin and make it tacky. Make it ridiculous. Right. Okay. P.E. pina colada. Doesn't sound right, but... <laughs> You know, so I'm, I'm going to try it. I am going to try that now, Philippe. I'm Absolutely. going to try that. It sounds so wrong, and yet it's so right. And then if you if you want to be less brutal about it, uh, Kalila instead of the lag of woman. Yeah. I'm just fine. So, uh, yeah, so the book, the book that was published in what, October 2020, I think? Yes, yes. Uh, it was delayed because of COVID. And uh, the idea with that was, it, I was I was based in London at the time. I've been in Poland for about six months. I lived in London for a while before that. And that was just a great opportunity to be able to, I mean, I did a lot of whiskey cocktails in there, but it's just cocktails of all kinds. And it was mm -hmm. a really interesting, what ended up being interesting about that book project was at the time I did all my interviews and collected all the recipes from the different bars in London, it ended up being a strange sort of, 
moment in time of what London, the London cocktail scene was like pre-COVID. So, because I did all my work before the pandemic hit and before a whole bunch of bars closed down. So unfortunately, a few of the bars that are featured uh, don't exist anymore. Uh, yeah. Also, just because of the way the hospitality business got shaken up, a lot of the people that are featured had to leave the position that they were in and they've gone on to something else since then. So it's it's become kind of like just this moment in time with really, really delicious featured cocktails. Uh, so, yeah, so it was a really fun project to work on. You you write for a number of publications. Uh, primarily, is it, it's Forbes. You write for. That's one of my main gigs. Yeah. So I'm. A, I'm. A, and that's my. That was my first serious whiskey writing gig. And so yeah, I'm a senior contributor for Forbes uh, writing. I'm allowed to do spirits, but I pretty much just do whiskey. <laughs> kind of what I love. Sometimes I'll put in some cognac in there because cognac's awesome. Here and there, I'll do something else, but really whiskey. Yeah. And yeah, but I'm. But uh, I yeah. Few different places i write very very regularly for whiskey magazine as well mm. that's been a writing for whiskey magazine has been a great chance to do a bit more in-depth stories uh which have been fun to do as well so but it's, i'm a freelancer right so like so many other freelancers just hustle <laughs> and when you know and when you've got a good publication that's you know up for what that's up for listening to what you have to offer yeah just you can work on some really cool projects as a result. Now, there is a very definite pre and post COVID. I mean, obviously we're still in the, 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 the we're almost, we're sort of pre post <laughs> of, of COVID, but we're heading there. Um, do you see a shift in the industry? Because there, I, I see it as more, much more single cask offerings, much more cask strength offerings, direct to customers. So, what, what do, you, do you gauge any difference in, in the, the sort of global market now? Absolutely. I think uh, three things are kind of emerging. First is the desperate return to normal. Uh, so <laughs> it's, if we're talking, so for example, you know, whiskey tourism tanked. So yeah. now it's about bringing that back to what it yep. used to be. So it, that's kind of what I mean by return to normal. The other thing is taking advantage of the fact that people are now more tolerant of online formats than they previously used to be. Now, obviously, there was that peak COVID where just everything had to be done through Zoom or whatever. And that's what people were doing, that now everybody's sick of Zoom to some extent, right? <laughs> well, well Philip, you know, there may not be because it took, it took sort of basically – 20 years to get online shopping from 12% and it only took two years to get it from 12% to 24%. So uh, it's here to stay, I think, online, hybrid events. Exactly. So I think that's what we're going to see. So we, we had the initial rush and now it's now that that's a behavior that we're all yeah. used to, it's incorporating that uh, into your events. So mm -hmm. hybrid is going to be the way forward from now on, or even fully virtual, depending on uh, what you want to do. And more, and there's going to be more patience for it. And it allowed for new kinds of uh, connections to happen. So I did a really interesting interview um, with a company called The Last Drop Distillers. Mm -hmm. And they are a high, high-end uh, independent spirits bottler or not independent, they're actually owned by Sazerac now, but they, they're very, yeah. very autonomous in what they do. Uh, so Tom Gertz found an incredible woman called Rebecca Jago, and she was saying that the pandemic, aside from 
the fact that it sucks. Because of how she had to do business, it meant that she could make a lot of connections she ordinarily wouldn't have been able to make. Yeah. With her suppliers, with different teams around the world, with her consumers that she just wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. So mm-hmm. we, so there's benefits that will come from that, uh, from that, that being able to connect online like that. And then also, uh, yeah, and then it's the point that you mentioned, the way that people are consuming whiskey is going to change. There's that uh, shift towards quality, that shift towards picking out something special, not being afraid to maybe spend a little bit more money on something. Yeah. Uh, and then also, what is it? Home drinking shot up during the pandemic. So that means that people want to treat themselves with something real nice. Uh, yeah. and, and so we'll see more of that. We'll see more of that, I think. And then that, but also, I think it also reflects that trend. If we're talking specifically about scotch, but I think you can say that about a lot of other countries. Yeah. It's that the market for single malts is going to keep going up. Yeah, that's it. I think. Especially now that all of them are budget friendly. In, in Northern Ireland, when the, the pandemic hit, they decided that they were going to close the off licences. Um, mm. That lasted about 12 hours, I think, before people said, you do know there are going to be absolute riots on the street. If You, you know, they can't go to the pub, they can't, buy, they can't go there, and they can't, they can't even order booze online. So uh, that got quickly dropped. Um, so people could order drink online. But, I, I would like to point out that we did a Boris during lockdown. We were in a bar. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yes. full, di- full disclosure, <laughs> full disclosure. Yes, but we, we, we were socially distanced. No, um, what about collecting whiskey? Are you are you a fan of collecting whiskey for as a as a collection and without drinking it? And and I mean, there's a huge market now. I mean, the rise of the auction sites has just yeah. I mean, it's massive business now, and pe- people like collecting. They like having these tangible assets and. What's your what's your feelings on that? I mean, it it's you've got the nice aspect of it and the weird aspects of it. The nice aspects is that I mean, people are passionate about it. Yeah. So they collect it. Fair enough. On the other hand, there is you know you mentioned the auction sites, this secondary market. And the fact that it's attracted this sort of weird speculation investment thing has led to some really weirdo trends uh, (laughs) that have created just some weird things, right? Because it is a little bit like Beanie Babies in the 90s. That's the that's the comparison I like making, you know. Yeah. (laughs) You know, how can it make sense when you get a bottle of something really uh, that shoots up in price? six you know five figures on the auction site or four figures on the auction site let's say when you can easily get a single cask whiskey from an any bottler that's maybe let's say 200 quid and even then i'm kind of going a little bit that will be just as good yeah so you don't have any real so much of this isn't really a reflection on the reality of what the liquid is it's just weird sort of perception and the perception of its price and the brand and you get these weird things piled on that's where you get the beanie baby bubble that's going on and then brands some brands have followed that thing because they realize that they can put out these new releases and make money these spooky prices and uh, and so we're seeing more of that as well you know it just is what it is i guess i mean for i mean that's what happened that's what's been happening with wine for such a long time yeah so well i mean it's I mean, it is what it is, right? 
Yeah, I mean, what is your take on it? Well, put like this, I, I like, I collect some stuff. I have some things. I've, I've kind of, this is the sort of stuff I like. I mean, you mentioned the last drop. Um, I kind of like lost distillery stuff because they don't make any more of it. But um, it's hard to know sometimes because some of the manipulation you see, some of the the, the, the industry doing of it. I, I mean, the obvious ones, Macallan. I mean. I have a bottle of Macallan Concept One there. I got for like seventy quid at the airport, and in truth, seventy pounds probably a bit much for it. And yet at the auction sites, it's seven hundred pounds a bottle now. And it's like, why are you paying this for this? It's not not the liquid. I don't blame Macallan for a second because if I if I was everything, I'd be charging as much as I could. And I don't blame necessarily flippers either because I don't know their circumstances. You know, if somebody buys two bottles and pays their mortgage that month, who am I to argue with that? But it's an element that I don't particularly like. Um, now the other element we've never really discussed this on the show. Um, it's the 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 NFT market buying stuff, <laughs> which is. Weird, isn't it? It's, it's weird. I think I think it's uh, personally so. Blair Bowman is a whiskey consultant and writer, and he's been the one leading the charge, full throated anti NFT and whiskey. And I, I'm pretty much on his team uh, on this. I would say it's at first I wasn't sure, and then as you read more about it, NFTs are just too shaky as a concept. Yeah, They're just too shaky. And and that's without even counting the environmental impact of it. Because what is yeah. it that minting the, the energy to mint an NFT is like the equivalent of almost like a week of a, a, a week's power for an apartment. That's true. That is it's true. Kind of nuts. <laughs> oh, and it's all again, it's just the beanie baby thing times ten, right? Yeah. It just seems weird to me. Now the reason my and my concern. You've got me on a, on a ramble now. My concern is because NFTs are dodgy as a concept, right? Yeah. We know that you can look online and see how they're dodgy. Loads of articles describing exactly why they are. Even the founders, the people who created NFTs mm. have come out being like, this is not being used the way we intended. And the way <laughs> we made it, it's not been changed since the way we made it. And that was very incomplete what we did. Yeah. And then there's all the forgeries of art, blah, blah, blah like tons of issues around so many, many, many ethical issues going on that are just not addressed at all in no. this weird world. When you're introducing a physical aspect into the NFTs, then what you're doing is you're essentially creating NFTs just become a fancy coupon. You can put your little fancy digital art to it, fancy coupon, but you're now able to tie it to a tangible physical ac uh, uh, asset. And as a result, the, these tangible these tangibles justified the existence of NFTs in a way that wasn't justified before, which also makes me sad. It, it's I love to just have it all. Yes, it almost takes away from the collecting of whiskey or investing in whiskey because it's a it's putting a a sort of in between partner in, in, into the equation. No, for me, for me, it basically what it does is it creates a currency that's backed by a bottle of whiskey that's yeah. in, my, in my concept you, you have this sort of independent currency based on a bottle of whiskey that somebody looks after on your behalf to do such and what you get is a 32-bit sort of super mario-esque image of 
thing, but it's from a slightly different angle from somebody else. And and you have to. I I, I cannot I, even cryptocurrency. I can't get my head around. I'm, I'm I'm old school that way. I can't understand it at all. It's, um, it's, it's, I remember I read a great article about you know because this is all part of Web 3.0, right? Mm. This is what it's all called Meta. There was a great so the, the idea of Web 3.0 is that blockchain and crypto mm. are the is the backbone through which a new sort of internet infrastructure is going to shape itself. And this is yeah. where you get all the metaverse stuff yeah. involved. To me. I'm I'm an old man now. I don't, I don't <laughs> get any of it. Like, well, why? Who cares? And I was thinking, like, is it me just being a wannabe cranky old man, or is it something to it? But there's so many criticisms about it, and that seemed legit to me. And I was reading a really great piece by a tech writer. I forget who it was. It was published in the Atlantic, uh, and he was writing that in his years of covering tech. He remembers how he was excited about new developments in the internet. How exciting mm. these developments yeah. were. And he was saying, and he just cannot, he does not feel excited about this. Like no. gut, in his gut. He doesn't mm -hmm. see where the excitement is because so much is based around throwing money around. Mm -hmm. I, I, I saw someone the other day who paid $20,000 for a token that allows them to have a picture a unique picture of a monkey and the uniqueness of it is it's exactly the same as all these other monkeys except he's got a different colored hat on 20, yeah 20,000 20, who are they paying this money to now personally speaking if, if if i was buying a bottle of whiskey even if it's a collectible that, that, that I, i'm probably never going to open if the bottom falls out of the market I can always say, I'm just going to get have a wee drink <laughs> and enjoy it. Whereas, yeah, I, I, for the life of me, but anyone who's not sure about what NFTs are, have a quick Google. It. Don't spend a huge amount of time on it, and please don't buy a 32-bit image of a bottle of Glenmorangie for an unbelievable amount of money, so that you have something bit of code somewhere. Just don't bother. That's the, uh, save yourself the hassle. Buy a bottle of whiskey. Buy a bottle of whiskey. Buy anything. Buy. Johnny Walker by Red Label by Anafin, just carry on because you'll have much more fun with it. To be honest, yeah, I see that the Irish Whiskey Review has made their position felt. We have, we have set our. So I, I we set have, my, we, we, we have, but, but, but we have, we have helped promote people that were doing sort of that sort of thing. But we knew them personally, and we knew it was legit. Well, like, well, the, the thing, the thing that that uh, Ernst was doing, Ernest was doing, was he was the first guy NFT uh, a cask of whiskey. But it was basically you bought the token to buy the whiskey. It was just sort of kind of gimmicky in some ways. It's and a coupon. It was a coupon to buy a cask of whiskey. So it wasn't divided into 28,000 people own this fraction of a cask and a picture of it or something. Like 20 milliliters, 20 milliliters of a cask or something it's like nuts. that. It's nuts. But, Philippe, what, um, what was the last whiskey you drank? Because I, 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 people always ask you what's your favorite, but I last I was asked, what's what's the last one you drank? Right before getting onto this computer, I was drinking Evan Williams bourbon, and I, that I picked up 
for 11 pounds in a whiskey sale in an excellent supermarket here in Poland. And I was just like, 11 pounds for a good bourbon, I'll buy that. And it is such a lovely bourbon. Yeah. Uh, I, so I, that's I was on just back from the States and uh, I went on a bit of a, a, a bourbon experience and picking up bits and pieces. And some, some of those, I, I always find that sort of lower end bourbons tend to be a bit too sweet for me. You know, they just, mm -hmm. they're just a bit too yeah. sweet. And, yeah. I know exactly I, what time. Are they the ones you brought me back, Marty? I brought back Justin about twenty different samples. One of which leaked, but I mean that the American whiskey scene has just exploded, uh, and there's so many craft ones. And I tried some of the the, the 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 smaller guys, and it's it's funny because in the states where I was in the states, there's you have the big sort of chain liquor stores, and there's not very many independent small guys. And the independent guys. Where I was, they tend to be much more focused on tequila, but um, you can sort of search out and pick up the old bottle here and there. But I, I was, I mean, I was in El Paso down in Texas, so I was utterly surprised at how quickly the aging of the, the wood is. Yes. And it, and in some ways, over there, it, it's like the Wild West because the, the, they're breaking all these conventions, breaking all of these things, and producing really, really good quality stuff. A really good price, I have to say. You get to try some good Texan whiskey then. There's some great Texan whiskeys out there. Tried a couple of the Balcones. I tried one. It sounds a bit gimmicky, but the, the Tres Hombres, the, 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 the ZZ Top one, I thought it was fabulous. I thought it was really, really good. Yeah. I tried I tried one in from El Paso, the local distillery. I went down we talked to those guys, and they had a six-month-aged whiskey, which in Scotland people were like, what, what are you talking about? You know, but, I mean, it's... It's got depth of flavour, it's complexity, it's got a nice round, and, and, and it's a bit disjointed in terms of taste, but it works because it's got this sort of honeyed sweetness. It is so different, it is so different. Totally different. different. Yeah. And, and you have this this huge plethora now of, of, of distilleries, and, and it's now spreading all across the world. Um, and, and there's a huge range of stuff just coming about, you know. Absolutely. I mean, the one that blew me away recently is I got to try the world's first Korean single malt. Oh, yes. And it was uh, 13 months old, and it's a, it's a, a Korean-American guy and a Scottish guy. Yeah. Uh, and the Scottish guy, Andrew Shand, I think his name is, he's a Scotch whiskey veteran, but then kind of became a, uh, a distillery expert slash master distiller slash blender for mm -hmm. hire. Did a lot of work in the States and then comes out to Korea. And at 13 months, I mean, that's not legally whiskey in the UK, but um, by Korean law, it is. And so they could call it whiskey. And it was pretty, pretty damn good at, already at 13 months. Yeah. No off notes. It was there. It, I mean, it could go further and they do plan to go further, but already yeah. offering at 13 months just goes to show what. Yeah, just what the rest of the world has, what the rest of the world and its climate around <laughs> the climate well, around the world has to offer, really. Well, I mean, it just it, there are so many things. We tried the uh, the the the, the Takamine process one from the Hokkaido spirit. Totally different. It's like koji ferment fermentation with the, the umami notes to it. Fabulous stuff. And there's so much new uh, and invigoration. I mean, we're here in Ireland where the the the, the industry is just going bump 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 bump. bump. And people, people over here two, three years ago were saying, you know, there's this going to be this glut of Irish whiskey and so on. 
but we're a trot in the ocean in comparison mm. to what's happening in the states. I mean, there's more. There's more. There's more I think there's. I'm right in saying now there's still more whiskey distilleries in New York State than there is in Ireland. Mm. <laughs> it's incredible, incredible. You know? Well, are you covering? I mean, you're in the middle of being able to appreciate the Irish Renaissance. Yeah. So, how are you guys feeling so far? I, I, the Irish Renaissance is right now. Well, best I, is I, yet to come. The best is yet to come, Marty. Wouldn't you say so? Well, I, th I think so. I think the thing about Ireland is there's this impression that there's all these distilleries opening up, and they're and they're some of them very very small, and some of them huge, big thing. They think they're huge. Go and see what they're doing in the likes of Kentucky or go to MGP in, in Indiana. You know, these guys are pumping out probably take away Jameson and they're probably pumping out more in a year than the whole Irish industry put together. So there's such a scope for, for Irish whiskey that in some ways there's maybe not even enough, you know, because we, we have the PGI, we have the protected index. And I, I honestly think in a, a few years time, Pochin is going to make, it's going to make a, a, a an increase because it's, it's a PGA product. And if, It'll take one of the big guys, you know, it'll take Diageo or, or Pernod Ricard or somebody to pick it up and run with it. But if they throw money at it, there's the distilleries. And the other thing is, if the Indian market opens up, you're, there's not enough whiskey in the world to slay their appetite for it, you know. So it's exciting times all over, really. Hmm. You know? There now, you go. Now, Philippe, we're going to have to let you go, go to your bed because you're, you're an hour ahead of us and, and you've got a young child, so you might be up in the middle of the night for a feed. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. So, Philippe, it's been a pleasure and uh, the best of luck with the, the charity event. Um, I hope it's an amazing success for you. And uh, stay safe and, and give our love to, to everybody that's coming from Ukraine and, and whatnot. We're thinking about them, put it like that. We're thinking about them. Well, of course, Marty and Justin, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to meet you guys and chat.